We All Have One, a podcast that isn't afraid to discuss the stories that we all have, even the really messy ones. From business ideas to overbearing in-laws to dreams of leaving your crappy job, come along for epic stories along tangible advice for succeeding and surviving through life's unfiltered moments. I'm your host, Corey McFadden, recovering business owner, industry pioneer, and mama blogger who has seen it all along the way. And let's just say, I am not afraid to share what I've learned from my experiences and mistakes, which means you don't have to. All you got to do is listen, grab a coffee or hell, a tequila is probably better. And let's get to this week's saga turned life lesson. Hi, welcome back. We all have one, the podcast. I'm your host, Corey McFadden. I took a little two week hiatus there. Uh, life threw me a pretty hard curveball. And well, I had to take it. So just like business, uh, you got to adapt, pivot, recover, and I am back with you. So let's get to it. What better topic to discuss than firing people? (laughs) No, there's nothing funny about it. And today's episode is about termination. And Even as I say it, it makes my skin crawl. And I tried to record this episode last week, but I just was not feeling it. Um, My personal energy wasn't there. And termination is something that it's really sensitive and it sucks because when you're terminating someone, it means that something has gone terribly wrong. And today I'm going to tackle the topic I'm going to talk about terminating a client, which might not have even ever crossed your mind. But after 15 years uh, of running a small business, I can tell you that depending on how many clients you're dealing with and what industry you're in, firing a client is probably something that you'll be faced with, as well as, of course, the obvious in terminating employees and that... It's just not fun. No matter what reviews you read about me online that say that I enjoy firing people, which is sometimes how people feel after they're terminated, and, you know, it's totally justifiable, um, I can tell you that nobody enjoys firing someone ever. It's not fun, but I'm going to give you some tactful tips to navigate those choppy waters when they come your way, because if you are in business and employ people, it's inevitable that termination will cross your calendar at some point or another. So hopefully after this episode, you will feel better equipped. So when it does come your way, you kind of know what to do. Because let me tell you, when it comes to terminating someone, you're entering legal ground. And so it is important to know what you're doing. And Just as a full disclosure here, I am not an attorney in any shape, form, or fashion. I am just a recovering business owner who's here to let you know my personal experiences and give you advice that, quite honestly, I wish I had just that, like, on any of these topics that I'm covering. Like, I I wish I had, like, a tidbit of it Um, because when you do, it really puts you in a position of feeling empowered and strong to take on 
the fucked up situations that, well, you're going to get a lot of them. So let's get to it. First up, we're going to talk about terminating a client. Um, believe it or not, it happens. And of course it happens if you think about it. But sometimes in a small business, you don't realize that that's your right is you can terminate those relationships when they're not healthy. <laughs> I've actually got a really good story and I might as well just kick it off with this. Um, I had a client for several years when I ran a drop off that she was a handful. She started out as a handful. And let me tell you, everyone's personalities, they're different. People are crazy and loopy and quirky. We all are. We all have things. Some of us more than others. But that's the beautiful thing of having all those different personalities. But sometimes quirky crosses the line of being crazy and maybe hurtful or earth shattering. Um, I've had some fucked up clients. I can, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm sitting here as I'm, I'm saying this. I, I have one story that I want to tell you because it's, it's actually pretty funny. Um, but they're, they're like loading in my head. Like <laughs> literally my head is downloading all of my crazy clients right now. Sorry, I'm getting off course because I didn't expect that to happen, but it's so telling to how consuming they are because when they come about, like they, they like eat up your life and they will like actually eat your children and, you know, burn your house down and destroy you in every way possible. Um, when you get in those situations, of course you have to navigate your way out. But let's say you have a client and that happens. You have the right not to do business with them again. Let's say they threaten you and they write multiple reviews about you and they're harassing you. Like when I say harassing, like they're calling your store back to back to back and sending a hundred emails. I don't mean someone that's upset and bitchy. That is just normal and you have to deal with that. I'm talking about someone that has gone off their rocker. Like if you were maybe dating this person, you'd be like, okay, I think this time that maybe I need to like call the police or like file an RO, like what is happening? Um, like that. And you might get those people. If it happens once, it is important not to do business with them again because it's going to happen again. No matter how large the transaction is, if it is detrimental to your morale and your staff's morale, and let's say it consumes you in a way that you are completely off task, so you are losing sales all day because you're being consumed by this issue, cut it. Don't do business with those people. And you have that right as a small business. So by simply saying them, you know, this transaction was not healthy. I think it's best for both parties involved that we not do business. And unfortunately, we are not going to be able to extend our services to you any longer. Wishing you the best. End of story. Let's say they go write reviews about you. Whatever it is, take it. Because I can tell you that protecting your staff and the morale of your business and your workday is more important than dealing with someone who is literally off their rocker. So take the power back in those situations, of course, after it's resolved. 
Never leave someone hanging and be like, oh, they're crazy. I'm not going to deal with them. No, if you're in a transaction with them and you owe them in some way, it's important to tie that transaction up and then not take on another one. Now, I had a client who, she was with me from the beginning. And she started out as just crazy and it was fine. But over time, it got aggressive and it grew and she spiraled. And she would come in, for example, to drop off her merchandise. And every time she would come in, she would insult the staff member that was assisting her, whether it be from her hairstyle or she looked pregnant or whatever insult she wanted to serve. Then she would look around the store and insult what she saw. And every time she came in, she was just like a buzzkill. She sucked. And she was mean and no one wanted to service her. So the girls would like scurry to the back and be like, you know, I just don't want to deal with her. Like she kills my day. Um, And, you know, she was one of the only people the girls would express that over. And we dealt with her for quite some time, like a long time, years, way longer than I should have. And I can tell you, she's actually the first client I ever fired. Um, And I only fired three in my whole 15 year career just to kind of put a ratio to it. So it's not like they're going to come flocking in. You have to like create a blacklist and you're like, holy shit, I've got all these crazies. I'm firing clients. No, they come in like my, for me, it was like once every five years, you know, I get a dose of like, holy shit. But with her, we took her abuse for quite some time. And just to put in perspective how crazy she was, um, after we told her we can no longer do business with her because she would buy items and not pick them up like 15 items at a time. Um, I mean, she wasn't even healthy on what she was supposed to be doing. And when you're like, what do you mean she'd buy items and not pay for them? At the time, you could buy and transact through eBay with me. So she would pay when she'd pick up her merchandise. And she'd basically like stiff us and not pay. So we'd have to relist all this stuff. And besides her being a bad buyer, she was also, you know, verbally abusive to the staff. And the day came that I told her we could no longer do business. And we put it in writing and we told her and She wouldn't understand, and I had to tell her like three times that she tried to come back in the store, and finally she vanished, and she was gone for a while. And then we started to get LinkedIn requests, and we knew that like she was lurking a little bit. One by one, a staff member would get one and be like, oh, there she is. She's she's lurking around. And then she came back in one day, and she had legally changed her name. And you're like, what do you mean, Corey? And I mean, like, she changed her name legally. So now we had to, quote unquote, do business with her because she wasn't the same name. I mean, like, off her rocker. And I was like, I am sorry. Like, we can't do business with X, Y, and Z, whatever her new name was. I'm not going to release that. But, like, it was like, oh, my God. Like, what? what is happening? Like, I, do I need to have, like, a therapist in the front of my store? Like, I, what the actual fuck? Um, and that happens. So I had a client change their name because they wanted to shop with us so bad. That's how good my company was. Um, no, she was actually just crazy. And I feel sorry for whoever's having to deal with her now, but, um, it is okay to fire a client. Now let's get into employees because there's so much to this topic and it is daunting And I'm sure it is like sending shivers down your spine because I know it does mine and I don't even have anyone to fire. So let's dive into it. So terminating an employee is 
never fun for whoever's involved. Something has gone awry, whatever it is, how big or small, it's just not fun. So I'm going to take you through the steps of before you terminate, terminating someone, and after you terminate them, what you need to make sure you do to have your bases covered and feel in charge of the situation. So if you go back to episode four, um, I talk about hiring and the importance of reference checks and, you know, creating your employee manual, creating that fluid job description. So when you are hiring, everyone is on the same page. Your onboarding process, you're providing training, and you're setting your employees up for success. Because if you do not do that, you are going to feel like you need to terminate people all the time. And it's not necessarily their fault. You need to make sure that you set your foundation tight and you provide as an employer what you are obligated to do. So if you're like, I don't know what that is, go listen to episode four on hiring and I walk you through that process. But it is important that you make sure you do that. Otherwise, terminating is going to be a huge sector of your life and it's going to be a pain point that will essentially eat you alive. So after you got your fluid hiring down, you've got two different types of employees. You've got at-will employees. These are employees that are at-will employment. They know that they are there willingly and that they could be let go for any reason at any time. Most employees are at-will employees. And then you have contracted employees. This is someone that you bring in under a contract. Maybe they're working for a three-month period, uh, a year. They're brought in on a special project, but they have a contract that outlines their employment in full. It's very detailed. It can be complicated, and you most likely are not going to have contracted employees. If you do, you know, and you've hired an attorney to assist you. So most of you listening all have at-will employees, and there's an at-will agreement that should accompany but doesn't have to, but it should. Um, and it accompanies your I-9 in your employee hiring manual um, that they sign, understanding they are an at-will employee. Everyone's on the same page. But when you have an at-will employee, you can legally let them go for any reason at any time within parameters. Obviously, no discrimination. Um, certain things are covered under FMLA. There are legal parameters to that, but I mean in regards to performance tardiness, theft, the obvious things. Um, when you get into other topics that have legal strings attached to them, you of course need to consult an attorney. But before you terminate someone, so you've reached that point, the person has, well, let's get into this. Let me break this down for you. Sorry. There's usually two different types of terminations that could occur. You've got someone that maybe is just overall poor performance. Their performance is not up to standard and you have to let them go because they're impacting your business in a negative way. And then you have an employee that maybe does something that is a serious violation, such as theft. Um, they stole, they assaulted someone, things that require an immediate termination. Those are two different buckets. Um, I'm going to go through the first one about 
someone who is just performance or maybe personality. This is someone maybe you've had problems with for six months. But in that six months that you're having issues, you don't just let the issues compound. It is your responsibility to address that employee and allow change for improvement before you terminate them based on their performance. This is where reviews come into play and why they are so important. I used to do a 90-day review after our onboarding process of a new hire. And at that point, if it was not working in the first 90 days, we could let that person go. Otherwise, if we thought they were going to be a fit, but obviously, you know, room for improvement needed to be made, X, Y, and Z, in that 90-day review, we would discuss that and set a metric mark for them to make that improvement. Individuals want to be managed and they want to be communicated with because if you don't, they don't know where they stand and it's not a good place to be as an employee. So you want to be direct with them and allow them that chance to change because it is possible they don't know. You bring something to their attention that they manifest on and they think on and they they really work on and they improve and bring something out of their personality that maybe they didn't even know was there but you want to make sure you provide them that opportunity. Now, let's say you've set that metric mark. Um, You met with them after their 90-day review. Their performance needs to improve in X, Y, and Z if you're going to keep them on staff to meet the minimum, let's say. And then you set another 30-day review out or 60-day review. Whatever it is, you want to make sure you are allowing adequate time for that to set in and for them to change their performance. It depends on what the task is. Now, maybe you've met with this person twice and it's like just killing you. And then you put them on like a final warning. You have to make sure you uphold that final warning and set a marker there for them because they also don't want to be walking on thin ice all the time to where they can't perform. So if it's like, it must be, you know, your sales have to be brought up within 14 days, whatever that is. You have to communicate it and it can be hard because you're busy. Maybe you're just at a point that you're frustrated, but it's your responsibility. Maybe not yours. Maybe it is the manager of that individual, but you need to have the resources intact, whether it be you or another manager that are communicating with your employees because it can be hard and reviews can be intimidating too. And reviews do not mean that they have to have a raise. Like that is a misconception. A review can simply be a marker for one's performance to allow a healthy dialogue to occur. And when you create that environment, individuals communicate with you more, which is what you want. You want to hear from your people. Now, I can tell you, when someone is affecting you in that way, and let's say they have a great personality and you adore them personally, but they are sucking you dry, as in their other employees don't want to be around them. Maybe you've got clients requesting not to work with them. You have to look at those red flags. I don't care how nice someone is. If they are hurting your business, you have to make that separation. And I will tell you, it is better to do it sooner than later for both parties involved. Don't let them invest year after year. I've made that mistake with a couple employees. You know, I had one that I probably should have let go of way sooner, but she was nice. 
and I felt bad. And I personally let my emotion get tied into that rather than her performance. So it is important that you keep a definitive line between the personality of someone and how likable they are versus the performance. Now, you can also have those individuals that are in the second bucket that come along and they just light their asses on fire. And you are not there to put that out. You are there to put them out of their employment. Let's say they stole from you. If someone steals from you once, they will steal from you again. And it is important to know that. And I once had a manager who was great and I enjoyed her so much, but she actually stole my coat, like my winter coat that I had at the store hanging. She took it and she knew it was mine. And I put a call out for anyone that took my coat to kindly return it the next morning. And I guess the guilt ate her and she brought it in and laid it on the front desk. And once I knew that she had done that, I was so like heartbroken because I didn't want to terminate her, but she stole my coat and yeah, she returned it, but she stole my coat. So I didn't have a choice, but to let her go. We had another employee one time who was clocking in and out through the app early, or she was clocking in early and clocking out late from home through her app, through the payroll that we didn't even know we had that feature implemented. And we caught it on a spot check for payroll. And I was heartbroken because I so enjoyed her too. And those things will come about. And no matter how much you like the person, you got to get rid of them. And it can be like so hurtful because they maybe have taken something from you and done that, or they've done something that is just completely inexcusable. Um, Those things happen and you have to act on them immediately. Don't make excuses and say, oh, who's going to do their job or what am I going to, you got to figure that out. You're going to have to divide it up and conquer until you can get someone in that role. But Don't cover for things that you know are wrong because then it's just going to compound. And next time, instead of being a fire, it will be like a nuclear explosion. All right. So once you've evaluated your situation and you have decided that you have to terminate someone, go forward with that. Don't let something hold you back. And one thing I hear hold people back all the time is they're like, I don't want to pay unemployment to them. I, there's a misconception about what unemployment is. Um, when you terminate someone and then they go and draw unemployment with the state, that does not mean that you're going to be cutting them an unemployment check every two weeks or once a month. The state will be paying them the unemployment. You as an employer are contributing to unemployment every time you process your payroll. And in doing so, the state basically banks that money and then one can draw from it. So while you want to keep the amount of employees at a minimum that you have on unemployment, because let's say you had one person um, last year and then this year you have six people. At the end of the year, 
the state is going to adjust your contribution rate based on how many people were drawing unemployment from your business and then change it. So your rate would obviously go up next year. So you always want to keep that as low as possible, but it's inevitable that terminations will be made. So don't ever let it be a deterrent from a termination because you're worried about unemployment. It's okay. Let that be the least of your concerns. So when you've made the decision you're going to terminate someone, you need to, I say, role play it out with someone else. It's important. So you know what you're going to say. It's thought out. It's not on a whim. And you've had time to process your emotions if it is a heightened situation. Because you always want to make sure that you are operating with grace and in an attackful manner. Because if you fly off the handle and do something on a whim and don't think it through and act like a lunatic, it will backfire on you. So a termination should always be something that you have worked through, thought through, and you're prepared. Because when you go in for the termination and you are sitting in front of that person, that is not the time to like try to figure it out because it's going to look as though you aren't coming from a place that you're confident in the decision that you're making. And you want to be able to deliver that message in a stern yet graceful manner. Now, the most important thing you can do is have a second person in the room. This is an absolute must for the termination. So if you have an HR department, it would be someone from that department. It could even be an attorney if needed. You don't really need to go there, but I'm just saying. But anytime you're going to make a termination, you need a second witness. The reason for this is, is that there is an increasing number of claims made against people for harassment, uh, retaliation, and you want to make sure that you have someone else to witness this act out just in case this employee was to possibly file a lawsuit. You want to make sure someone was there and that you were never alone in the room with them during the termination. It's also best to hold this meeting when there's minimal contact that's going to be made with other employees or clients. So Maybe you schedule it early in the morning, 30 minutes before others come in, or at the end of the day. You just want to minimize anything that could be associated as a risk, as well as you want to protect that individual. You're not trying to humiliate them in any way. You're not trying to cause a scene. You are simply trying to do what you need to do. When you sit down to do this, It is important that you be clear and you not beat around the bush. It is best at the start of the meeting to let this person know that they are being terminated. You're not trying to have a 20-minute meeting where you're beating around the bush. The person's trying to figure out where are you going with this? Like, am I being fired? What's happening? You just want to be clear and, like I said, tactful because Nothing should change your mind once you enter this meeting to terminate. 
you've done your research, you've done what you need to do, you've checked your legal checkpoints, and you are sitting down to terminate the person. Now, if you start going back and forth and the employee requests more information and they want to argue about the termination, politely tell them that the decision has been made and nothing at this point can change my mind. Because no matter what you say, you're not going to bring them to your side. They're not going to suddenly agree with you and be like, you're right. I should be terminated. Just stay stern to what you're there to do. And whatever you do, don't say sorry. Because while you might be sorry, just be kind and pointed. Because sorry can open up a whole nother conversation that doesn't need to be had. So keep it short, keep it pointed, and keep it low emotion. Because the longer you talk, the more circles that you're going to start talking in with that person, they're going to have you just like, what the hell? I mean, trust me, I've had many terminations that I should have just been pointed, cut it, escorted them out, let it be done. When you start letting them cry and sob story, and then it starts to pull at your heartstrings and, you know, it's just, it's too much and it doesn't do anyone any good and isn't going to change the outcome. So pointed, kind, and as well as it's important to research your state before you terminate someone to make sure you know what you're supposed to provide them with at the end of that meeting. So in Illinois, for example, there was an unemployment packet that you provide them. It would give them instruction on how they file for unemployment. So someone's not feeling completely lost. They've got fluid instructions as well as their time needed to be paid in full for their payroll at that time. So even if your payroll processes the following week, you pay them out in full through that day at that moment, including any PTO that they might have accrued. Now that's not every state, but a lot of states do require that. And it's important that you follow the law because you don't want someone going and filing a complaint against you You don't want any of that mess. You want it just to be fluid. You want them to move on successfully, get a new job that's a good fit, and you find someone new to fill that position. You don't want the noise afterwards. That's not productive for anybody. So do what you're supposed to do and keep it moving. So I got a lot of questions about, um, on social media, I asked before I record these episodes for any input and People were asking me if it was okay to pay someone through the end of the week or maybe uh, two weeks out. Let's say it's someone that worked for you for a long time and it's just faded out and you both need to move on and you got to let the person go, but it's on good terms. Feel free to pay them out, you know, give them a month severance. You can do that. It's up to you as the employer, what you like to do. There's no rule against that. And then when one files for unemployment, you can either agree to what they have filed or you can attest it. And if you do that, then you will speak with an unemployment officer. You'll give your side of the story. They'll give theirs. And maybe it will go to a hearing that's over the phone where someone from the state that's a third party assesses the law and then they make their decision. Sometimes this can happen if, um, let's say you file, um, Someone files for unemployment and they stole from you. 
and you fire them for a deceitful practice and they are not eligible for unemployment. So you can test what they filed and it could lead to something like that, which is okay because as long as you have all of your factual information, there's nothing wrong with going through the process. Don't be scared of it. You're only scared when you're not equipped. So documenting things is your best friend and you don't have to record everything. That's not what this is. It's that things that stand out incidents. Let's say um, someone was physically assaulted. Um, you terminated that individual, the individual they assaulted, you would want them to write out the incident for you in a report and file that away in that employee's file. So if that was to possibly go to court, whatever it is, you have taken all of the factual information fresh in the moment and recorded it because things can creep out of nowhere at any time. And you could be like, Oh, what was that? I remember, or I thought this happened versus just going to pull the file, reading the incident report and be like, all right, I got all the facts here. So if you're in a termination that goes awry, there's heightened emotion, something sticks out to you, record it, put it in the file. There's nothing wrong with having that information. There are state laws though around how you file an active employee's file. So some information you have to have separated in a secondary file because an employee does have the right to request a copy of their main personnel file. So that's also a good topic to research. So if you were to have to turn the file over to the employee, they requested a copy. You aren't giving them a copy of the incident reports as well. Look that up. It's a very simple search um, for your state, but that's a little kind of like caveat that a lot of people don't know. But when things happen and are worth notating, make sure you do so. So you've terminated the person. You had the perfect conversation. Everyone's on the same page. They need to leave then. They don't go back and work the rest of the day. They don't work it out for another week. They leave then. It's not healthy to have them on the floor. They could possibly steal information from you, client files. You just don't know. So any company property, they would want to surrender, maybe a cell phone, a laptop, whatever it is, they need to turn it over in that moment. If they have something at home, set a deadline for them to return it, whether it be the end of the day, whatever that is. But I recommend immediately because you want to get everything back. You don't want them going to um, their desktop and copying files. You know, um, during my house of consignment episode, season finale, when I terminated Nicole, you know, she uh, was then escorted out immediately with cameras. And so it was obviously very fresh and like a lot of emotion. And, and that's normal during a termination. And you don't want that person on your floor because then the gossip starts and the speculation and you haven't spoken with your staff. So as soon as you terminate someone, let them gather their personal belongings and escort them out so they don't do damage because... Some people go and dump their entire laptop with all the company information on it, and then I have to bring it to Apple and get the hard drive rebuilt. Hmm. I wonder who did that. So, people have plans. Don't let them implement them. Do what you need to do and let them be on. Then, you want to clearly communicate with your staff. Now, while gossip, you cannot make that go away. It shouldn't be a secret. 
They should know that a change has been made with the active staff. So you don't want to share the details of the termination because that's private personnel info. And if you know me, the only termination I will ever speak about is Nicole because it was on a reality show and she signed up for that. But otherwise, I would never discuss any personal information with about any of my employees, even with my company closed, I would, I would never. So make sure you're not contributing to any gossip. Just be straightforward and honest. And that's all you can do. And then you take from what you learn. Maybe you don't need to hire someone immediately. Maybe you can divvy up that position or maybe you need to fill it immediately. But don't be afraid of doing what you need to do. I know I keep saying that, but if you do, it will eat you from the inside. It will destroy the culture. It can destroy your clients. It can affect you. And so if someone is no longer a fit for your team, be a leader and terminate them. Thank you so much to my friends at Dante32 for producing this episode. You can find my episode notes on my blog at glitterandbubbles.com where I dive deeper on each episode. And if you haven't listened to my other episodes, make sure you go and do it because there are some good golden nuggets in there. I love hearing from you. So if you're listening and loving this podcast, please leave me a review on iTunes. It makes a world of difference as well as iHeartRadio where you can find me as well. And until next time... Check me out, check me out.